Hi, I'm Tita Moyers, and this is my co-host and my pirate wife, Dawn Davis. We are bold, queer, ethically non-monogamous, kinky, clean, and sober storytellers, having unscripted talks about topics not brought up in polite conversation. Nothing is taboo. In this, our fourth episode, we talk about childhood trauma and how we survive, getting clean and sober, and the art of feeling all the feelings. We also had to interrupt the show so Tita could cry. <laughs> Hi, Viva. Hi, Vixen. Did you cry today? <laughs> I did. I did. I cried today. I uh, had a moment in Trader Joe's. I have issues in the grocery store. They uh, send me into full-fledged panic attacks. And Trader Joe's was busy as shit. And so... I was fine, but when there's just tons of people all around me and I can't even maneuver down the aisles, you know, I start to get a little like I can't breathe. And so the line went all the way around the grocery store to check out and I started crying. I just started crying. The girl at Trader Joe's was very sweet. She told me that that happens to her and she works in a grocery store. <laughs> it happens to her at grocery stores too. So I didn't feel uh, as weird about crying in public. How do you feel now? I feel much better. I'm totally hormonal and it's, uh, it's fucking with me. I, um, I feel weepy today, a little combative. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, uh, I got in a fist fight in my mind with a dude because I thought he was trying to steal my parking spot and, uh, at the taco place and I wasn't having any of it. And I had played out a whole story in my head in which I kicked his ass in the parking lot. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and and what? actually, words were never spoken between us. <laughs> well, that's good. Right? You didn't have to kick his ass. I kicked the shit out of him in my head. I think um, a couple of days ago, you wanted to kick the shit out of me, too. I, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Oh, I know what it was. You said that you didn't believe that I was interested in physical pain in our BDSM relationship, that I didn't want to endure any physical pain because I have mentioned in the past that it's not my jam. I can mm -hmm. take it, but I know for you, it's no fun unless I'm into it. But I got all indignant. Right. Like zero, zero to 60 in yeah. you know a split second. And, and then what? What did you do? I was like, mm -mm. <laughs> I said, it basically came down to, I like what I like, and you are not going to tell me that I can or can't do something, and I don't like it. You're not going right. to tell me. <laughs> Went instantly to, don't tell me what I don't like. <laughs> like, wow, wow, darling. <laughs> what do you need from me right now? And then I had to stop, and I... I, I checked myself and I realized that I was just feeling aggro. You know, I think it's a hormonal change. I'm 42. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that's just what's happening. But I've been taking these supplements that are supposed to be helping, but I don't know. I don't know that they are. If you weren't taking them, though, I wonder what it yeah, would be exactly. like. <laughs> <laughs> when I was about 40, I also had some huge hormonal shifts. 
huge where I felt like an alien had taken over my body and mm -hmm. I would cry and I would be angry and I would want to hurt people. I even said to somebody once that I understand why women drown their children. Mm -hmm. So powerful, so overwhelming, so all encompassing. And when I'm in it, I feel like it's always been that way and it's always going to be that way. We talked about this, about the alien taking over. Yeah. <clears throat> so I call, I call mine Ursula. She's very strict and mean. Everything pisses her off. This is how I feel. I'm in my head and I'm talking, I'm saying shit. And me, sweet Tita, is in the back behind Ursula going, stop talking. Just stop talking. <laughs> stop saying that. And I can't. I cannot control it. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? So I, I'm just going to say the word menopause <gasps> out loud. I know. Oh, no. because, because I think that we don't talk that enough. And we think that's for old women, which when yeah. no, no matter what age I am, I don't think that I'm the old woman. No. And so, so that's what it is. Hormonal imbalance because we are aging. Mm -hmm. And for me, I had people say that to me and I was mad and I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm too young and I could, that couldn't possibly be the problem. Totally. And then I went to a doctor who recommended some hormone replacement and he gave me a spray to use and I put it on my skin and immediately I had a feeling, a sense of ease and comfort. It was amazing. And I know it's not always safe for people and there are, you know, lots of things to consider before using hormone replacement, but I love my estrogen so much. <laughs> I think that I would rather, you know, risk all of the other things that I'm risking by, by using estrogen. It just makes me feel less out of my mind. Well, I will say this. So I know we had a discussion about hormones in the revolution. And while every woman in there was like, wait, what? Like trying to figure it out. I mean, I think that part of that anger that comes from hormone shifting can be useful. And yeah. as we get older, as women, some of us don't give a shit anymore. And it's easier to say no, it's easier to set boundaries, it's easier to be really clear about what I want and what I'm willing to put up with. I mean, something that was interesting in the meeting that I was in last night, we were talking about like the many facets of our personalities. I'm thinking about this in terms of like, maybe using my anger, rage, whatever that's happening to me hormonally in a way of saying no. I have 16 ways. Where um, did you get those 16 ways of saying I, no? I believe a beautiful woman told me that it might be a good idea for me to write down some ways that I can say no. Shall I share them with you? I do. Okay. Number one, no. <laughs> Two, I don't have time. Three, no thank you. Four, I don't feel well. Five, I have other plans. Six, fuck no. <laughs> Seven, I'm already committed. Eight, fuck off with that. <laughs> Nine, I don't want to. 
10. That doesn't work for me. 11. I feel uncomfortable. 12. I'd rather not. 13. I don't like that idea. 14. That's crossing a boundary. 15. My sir says I must say no. That's my favorite. I, I must just say I know you love that one. And is that 16? My sponsor says no. Yeah. So I, she said I can use her whenever I want to. Well, and that's because so many of us are taught to say yes, right? My value is dependent upon how much I do and whether or not I'm a hero. And I like to be the hero. Yeah. And I love that about you, that you like to be the hero. My but hero I, complex. I also want to know that, you know, when you and I have a scheduled time together, that you're going to be here for it. I want to know that you're present with me and that you're not exhausted or exasperated because of over committing or being overwhelmed. And so that was one of the things that we decided together that you would work on. Yeah. And I really needed work on it because I have been this way my, my whole life. I like, I'm a, I like to please people. I like to make everybody happy gold tea for everybody and um it has not served me well actually um it's mm -hmm. been detrimental in a lot of ways i i i've explained to you you know i would overcommit and would say just be like yeah i can do that i can do that and really not have the time not have the capacity not have the ability to do it i wanted to be able to Right in that moment when you're saying yes, I know because I've been there. I've done that too. In that moment where I'm saying yes, I want to be the star employee. I want to be the best student. I want to be the favorite teacher. You know, all of those things. So yes, yes, yes. But then I feel shitty or I'm resentful yes. or, you know, or I let people down. Mm -hmm. um, and so practicing no is a really good habit like a little bit every day for people who don't know how to do that just make up reasons to say no <laughs> like it, just just say no for fun say no to one thing every day and it, it's like building a muscle mm -hmm. you know it does take better. practice yeah and you know my star chart that I have my gold star chart that that you give me stars for doing certain things. Saying no is uh, saying no to work, to my family, to girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially the more you get. Yes. The more you have to have good boundaries and be really clear with your time. Yeah. So I, I actually, I appreciate that. Um, because there were a couple of times, you know, with work, um, I was do it and I said no and whereas I thought oh shit I mean are they not gonna want me to work there anymore what's gonna happen <laughs> if, I, if I say no and all that happened was my boss was like okay no problem <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, right. man? 
Wait, tell ourselves this story. The, yeah. A bunch of lies. Actually, we tell ourselves a bunch of lies about what, you know, what people expect of us and what we need to do. And, and you know, that I have to overdo, that I have to be superhuman just to be valued. And it's not true. At my job, right. so I've been a classroom teacher for almost two decades uh, until the pandemic. And as a classroom teacher, if there are any teachers listening, you know that the expectations of what we can and will do are completely unreasonable, absolutely impossible to do all of the things that we are required to do. And um, it, it looks good on paper that we have, you know, weekends and summers off and, you know, regular schedules and and all of that. And that's great. I'm not complaining. But the amount of emotional labor required and the way we hold one another to, to this ridiculous standard, like we police each other, teachers do. And oh. since, since the pandemic, I decided I'm working to contract. I decided that I'm not taking anything extra home with me. I decided that I'm not volunteering for extra things. And that's really hard because I want to be the star employee. I want to be, oh, you know, that Dawn, she's so great. And, yeah. and so inside of me, I had to decide that I don't have to be the best. I don't have to be number one. I don't have to stand out above everyone else. I'm just a teacher among teachers. Right. And so leaving at three o'clock, and not taking a bunch of shit home with me and saying no when someone asks me to do more. I feel fucking great. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we're both so overachievers. Sweet. We're both overachievers and that is exhausting. It is exhausting. In so many ways. I mean, I still do it. Part of the deal in AA is to be of service. Mm -hmm. And so... I have a really hard time saying no. I would swoop in and try and save the day every single time. And I said no tonight so that I could record this with you. The AA. Because I do, I have a lot of service commitments. People can step up. Other people can do their part. It will go Everywhere. on without me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so uh, I think that means that you earned a a star today right fuck yes well <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's an act of service but i do have an uncanny ability to be able to tell when you need air in your jar which you can explain oh yeah that means so um i am a person who if something feels good i want more of it um, hence the reason I'm in a 12-step program. <laughs> if it feels good, I want more. I want more and more and more and more, even if it's bad for me. And so I have to be really careful about that. And um, I am interacting with you. I get a lot of joy from that. There's dopamine that's released for me. And then I want more of it. And so. If I'm doing that with you and I'm doing that with my, you know, the women's group, the revolution where I'm, you know, planning and creating 
sessions, classes for them. And we're editing the podcast. And I love that so much. So I'm obsessing about editing the podcast and promoting it and making content for Instagram and, you know, all the things that I, I love those things. I'm reaching out and touching all of my favorite women and, you know, yeah. paying, paying attention to them and, and, and trying to get their attention and, you know, all of these things. And I do it success. And then I'm exhausted and then I'm angry and then I'm cranky and I want you all to fuck off and go away. <laughs> and <laughs> And that's not a good place for me to be. It's also not a good thing for me to do to the people that I care about. And so um, the analogy that I use is that I have this jar and I love river rocks. So I put river rocks in my jar and then, gosh, you know, there's still some room left in the jar. So I'm going to put sand in the jar that fills in all the spaces between the river rocks. And, you know, that's so great. I'm going to pour some water into the jar that fills in all of the spaces between the sand, between the river rocks, until pretty soon there's no room left and I'm suffocating. And one another, I send you this little empty glass jar emoji. And that's just the, the indicator, like I'm full and I need some space and I need to be able to breathe. Otherwise, I'm going to be unpleasant mm -hmm. you do tell me uh, sometimes I know sometimes I just intuitively know uh, that you need it and require that and I get it I need it too uh, you always, I want to fight <laughs> <laughs> and you're like okay I'll do that with you if I'll you fight want with you. to yeah <laughs> I'm just like pissed off and I you know I'm looking for for something to fight about but I'm stoked about uh, you know, something that you've been writing uh, last night. Yeah, last night I was doing some creative writing. It was really steamy and delicious. And I was all turned on and excited. And I wanted to share it with you. <laughs> any of it. I was like, yeah, no, I just want everyone to leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. Saying no. It's setting yeah. a boundary. You're getting good at it. I know it takes practice though. It feels good. feels empowering. I mean, and I don't have to say fuck off with that every time. <laughs> that, that's fun too. It's an option. Yeah. <laughs> Talk more about crying. Okay. Because um, I was actually making an Instagram reel earlier today about how much I love crying. Particularly because you can't. <laughs> yeah. So I have uh, Sjogren's, which is an autoimmune disorder. And I can't, I'm, I'm very making very little saliva and I don't make tears. So I have to put drops in my eyes. So I can go through the, the motions of crying. Like I, I feel sad or angry or, you know, joy, whatever would bring tears on and I get red in the face and scrunch it, scrunch it all up, <laughs> but no, no tears fall. So uh, one reason that I love crying is because I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. But I think more important than that is that crying is such a raw intense vulnerable experience and those are the kinds of 
interactions that I want to have with other people. Those are the kinds of connections that I want to have with others. And so crying, some people are really uncomfortable with crying. Like they're out. <laughs> they you, know, you know, anytime I've noticed this recently, that not just been paying attention to it because um, cry People are like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They apologize for their crying because it's, un you know, especially if it's in public or something, you know, but they say, I'm sorry, almost every time. I think mm -hmm. I do it. Why? Why be I sorry? I don't know. I think it, it could be because, you know, you think you're making other people around you uncomfortable. And so, you know, people don't know what to do with someone just crying. <laughs> Yeah, and, and they don't know what to say, and it makes them uncomfortable. I love it. I love crying, and I just out this whole space. You know that I'm going to get you a little tiny tear jar that I'm going to capture my tears in for you. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. Today, actually, I was crying when I left Trader Joe's. And I left you a voice message so you could hear me crying because I knew yeah. you'd like it. <laughs> I did like it. I liked it very much. And, you know, maybe that is somehow connected to um, in my yes, you do. story, in my, um, in my BDSM. And um, I don't think that I get sexual joy from, like, you calling me today and saying I'm crying but there's definitely a lot of overlap in that I I feel I feel alive when I'm crying I feel alive when other people are crying or really expressing any emotions because like, you're seeing it yeah well you're and seeing it's like real yeah, you're seeing real raw emotion when someone's crying that they they can't stop it. You know, they people try. I try to stop it mm -hmm. if I'm if I'm in a place where I don't feel like I can just let loose. Um, I try to stop it because it makes me uncomfortable in public to cry. But I think you when you see someone cry, they can't stop that. That that's what's coming out, and so I think that could be part of the reason why you love it. Well, and the trust component is important too. You know, mm -hmm. I doesn't go away or shut down. Trusting me, mm -hmm. trustworthy in all things. You have a trust kink. I do. I totally have a trust <laughs> kink, and 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 that just means like everywhere I go, it's really important to me that. I be trustworthy, that I am the kind of person that people trust. I, I make choices in my life that demonstrate my integrity and my honesty and that I'm safe. And, you know, as a, as an educator, as a parent, as a 12 step sponsor, as a friend, as a lover, as a BDSM practitioner, I want to be trusted. That's everything to me. And so when someone, a client or, or you or my child come to me with their tears, 
does bring me a kind of joy. I think implicitly you have shown me since then with my tears. You have a trust kink and I like that you, you know, kind of have a crying fetish. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I do. <laughs> I think it. We pause the podcast for a moment here because Tika picked a fight with me that seemed irrational and unreasonable. I completely understand this alien invasion. So uh, this is the thing. I, I, I do want to apologize to you because I had this feeling earlier in the day that we were going to get in a fight while trying to do this because I can't stand being in my own skin right now. It's making me uncomfortable to be me. And I hate feeling that way because I love me. I'm awesome. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, get out of here. Ursula? And Ursula is such an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> she makes me feel nuts. Like it makes me feel crazy. And yeah. I wasn't trying to shut you down. I um, I was just like, that's boring me. <laughs> and I realized that I was, that it is, it is my, it's actually my hormones. I can't control it, but it's making me, I, 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 I don't want to say this, but like, I don't want to be around me. Hmm. And remember I told you last night, I was like, I don't think that I'm fit for public consumption. I can't even sit with myself right now I don't even want to be around myself and it's you know I I haven't even started my period yet I feel like it's in the next I don't know like three or four days probably but yeah I mean when I was driving home from Trader Joe's I was just crying just sobbing in the car by myself Hmm. yeah so, you know, the last thing I want to do is make you feel <clears throat> not heard or shut down. Um, but I'm having a hard time being around myself right now. Mm-hmm. And it's uncomfortable. Like, I'm uncomfortable. Like, I feel like I can't breathe. I just want to cry. I also want to fight. Yeah. I'm mad. I don't know what I'm mad about exactly, but I'm just pissed off. I feel like, you know, I am just, it's taking so much of my energy to not be unkind to like everyone around me, which is why um, I've been kind of isolating myself because I know I'm going to say something that's going to upset someone. So I'm trying to not say anything at all I feel like this will pass I'm just in it that's the I I understand that feeling that's when I said that I understand why women drown their children yeah it wasn't because I wanted to drown my child but because that feeling that you're describing right now I felt it too and I think that people women feel that but we don't talk about it and we don't know that we're that other people feel it too. We isolate and we have shame about it and we 
we talk down to ourselves, we criticize ourselves. Like Instead I'm of, ashamed of myself, really. Yeah. Like, and I don't even. I've talked to my mom about this. My mom told me the same thing happened to her when she was my age, and both two of my sisters, same thing, and actually three of my sisters, and um, yeah, I, 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 I'm like this. Am I gonna always be this way? Is this like what my life is like? I have to figure something out because I can't go on like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. That's how I felt. So I had a friend. I, I had a friend uh, who came to my house when when I was sick of it. She came to my house with wonton soup and vanilla ice cream, <laughs> and I sobbed. I sobbed and I sobbed on the couch, this couch, and she held me, and she said. It's your hormones. Yeah. And I, up until that moment, I hadn't believed that that's what it was. I hadn't, I hadn't accepted that it could be that for whatever reason, for whatever, whatever conditioning exists that tells us that we don't want to look at that. We don't want to believe it. But once I did, and I started saying, you know, I'm, I'm perimenopausal, I'm struggling with hormone imbalance, then other women reached out to me, other women who had experience, who knew what I was talking about, who, who had solutions, stepped forward. And, and so this friend of mine, she stepped forward, and she helped me not feel crazy. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, logically, rationally i know it's my hormones it's i know it um does it make me feel less crazy no yeah there's an answer there there's something that can be done and that that is comforting to me i don't know if i'm supposed to get an iud or i know that made you homicidal oh my god i i I wanted to tear it out get this fucking thing out of me right now (laughs) that's that's exactly how i felt I think that's how I'd feel if I was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to be. <laughs> yeah. But it's making me feel crazy. And it makes, um, and I, you know, I have been working so hard on like control, being in control of my emotions. And as far as like uh, not being reactive to things and, I mean, really practicing it, working on it. This makes me feel like if I go out there, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like it's dangerous. Like I feel dangerous. Well, and that's, I mean, I don't know the answer. I, I, I can't speak for all women and their hormones, but you know, that's the responsible thing that you're doing when you feel like that and you say to me or to your girlfriend or to your sister or anyone, you know, I just need some space right now. I need you to leave me the fuck alone. (laughs) I need to go into my room and stay there until this passes. That's great. It's, you know, kind. You know, part of me feels weak I feel weak Um, it makes me feel like you know being a big baby and just 
fucking deal with your emotions and whatever. Part of it, you know, if I say I need space, that's so that I don't say something that I can't unsay. Because I, I'm afraid that I will. And and there's a reason for me saying it. If I say that, I mean, I don't. And And then there's also this part of me, too, that's like, I need space, but I don't want to be alone. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening. So it's like, be here, but don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> so my friend Sarah and I, this is a, a little bird walk away from what we're talking about, but my friend Sarah and I, we have been friends for uh, 20 years. And um, we parallel play together a lot so uh, that is developmentally that's what little kids do really young children before they learn how to interact with one another appropriately and to share their toys they play each with their own shit uh-huh stop shit they, they play <laughs> each with their own toys right next to each other and so that's parallel play and, and it's developmentally appropriate. And then we learn how to share and how to play together and take turns and, and that's developmentally appropriate. Well, now here I am, you know, uh, half a century old and my friend Sarah and I parallel play. So she and I can be in the same room for extended periods of time and she's doing her thing and I'm doing my thing and we just like being in the same room together we do that when we're together we we definitely have parallel played you and I yes yes and and maybe it's maybe that's me maybe I like I like to it yeah I, I like you it know, I'm gonna read a book over here or I'm gonna meditate over here or I'm going to zoom in on a 12-step meeting over here. Or I'm going to, you know, write my best-selling novel over here. <laughs> right. Or, you know, and and you do whatever you do over there. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, well, I've, I've said that to you before. I'm like, you don't have to entertain me. I can totally entertain myself. Um, and I think that's part. I have fear of people coming to stay with me fear that I'm going to have to entertain them um, for, you know, I don't want to, I, you're, you know, my mom used to always say boredom is your own fault. You, you should never be bored. You can read a book. You can do something always like, but to just sit there and be like, Oh, bored. I get really irritated by people that say that I'm bored. Well do something about it. Right. It's not your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I think that may be why we have managed to spend quality time in each other's company, because I don't need you to take care of me or entertain me. And I don't and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, I went to 12 step meetings and you, I think you had some clients too, and we were in separate rooms doing different things. Um, and yeah, we, we played separately and together. Yeah, we did. I remember that I sent you away at one you point. <laughs> you did. And you sent me to the grocery store. 
Yeah, I I live alone primarily. I have a teenage daughter, but she's only here half time and she's well trained. I was ready. I was ready to have my space back. I was ready to not talk to you. <laughs> I was ready to to be I, I needed some air in my jar. Mm-hmm. And and I think what happened was you said you were going to go to the grocery store. You initiated that. And then I did. And then you changed your mind. That's what happened. You're like, oh, maybe I won't go. And I said, oh, no, you're going. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, <laughs> why? And you're like, because I need space. But it was your delivery was, I felt a little bit harsh. Yeah, I'm sure that it was. It it's a hard thing to ask for. It's a hard thing to say, I don't want to be with you right now. I have no problem with you needing space. And usually I like to be um, read a room well enough to be able to, to tell that you don't even have to say it to me that I already know. Occasionally it will happen that I don't even know what's going on inside of my body. I don't even know that I'm so uncomfortable you know, it, it, in hindsight, it's easy to think, like, I could have said, Viva, <laughs> I, need, I need a little space right now. Is that all right with you? And you would have mm-hmm. said, no problem. Yeah. I'll go in the living room or I'll go take a walk or something. Yeah. Knowing exactly what's going on around me at all times. And I can smell, taste, feel your change in mood. And also it's that rejection yeah (laughs) I I never want to be at someone's house where they're going only 17 more hours till she has to get on an airplane or only 96 more hours till she gets the fuck out of here that will never happen I will leave long before that happens yeah I I think that you it was just you know we are gonna have moments where somebody says something that they shouldn't say or that's hurtful um that is inconsiderate that's human Mm -hmm. it's human that we're going to have ruptures we're going to have opportunities to repair and it's how we go about that repairing which i think really demonstrates who we are as individuals and who we are as a couple they can't see you, but I just watched you put your glasses on and it just makes me all melty on the inside <laughs> when you do that. <laughs> now I'm distracted. Um, I'm impressed with your ability to respond to me and not react, stand up for myself or to um, be assertive because that's who I am. And I try not to be hurtful. I might be afraid that you're going to be mad or hurt or upset or reject me and you don't. And that feels good to me because I don't want to hurt you and it's going to happen. Yeah. That's why last night we had, uh, we do this often because, you know, so often, um, Things are lost in translation in the text. If if I don't hear the intonation, the inflection in your voice, 
I'll tell myself all sorts of stories about what's going on over there. And so last night, um, you knew that I was, I was feeling reclusive, I think is what I said I was feeling. And instead of sending you a text, I left you my voice so you could hear that I wasn't upset, that I wasn't angry, that I was just feeling reclusive and that uh, I was going to retreat into yeah. my, my cocoon. That was valuable. You know, we use um, WhatsApp uh, to communicate with each other. Most of the time, I don't like talking on the phone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like really, I do not like talking on the phone and all the people closest to me know that I feel trapped. like I have a, a, yeah, trapped like a ball and chain talking on the mm-hmm. phone. And I really like being able to leave audio messages for one another back and forth. That way we can hear each other's voices. We can, we don't have to guess you already said what the tone or intonation is, you know, there's so much more communication that happens that way. And you and I share this hypervigilance that comes from traumatic experiences. And you and I both have childhoods that are a lot of really bad things happen. The traumatic experiences that I've had, have made me be able to read a room like a motherfucker. I I know if something dangerous is happening everywhere because uh, I don't have a problem saying this. There was a lot of gunplay in my house as a child. There were weapons being shot off in our home at times. And so I, you know, (laughs) I was scared. It's Mm -hmm. dangerous. And so the, the unpredictability of the circumstances at times so i need to know i mean truly where the exits are i had a stepfather who abused drugs and alcohol and me and my mother and so it was really important for me for my survival uh you know walk in the room and know exactly where he is and what's going on and how to behave in any given situation to de-escalate a situation, to protect my mom, solve the problem, to handle the emergency, to make everything, to smooth things over. And that was life or death. Mm -hmm. That was, I had to develop that coping strategy for survival. And then, you know, I bring it with me into my adult life. And there are ways that it's helpful that I, you know, am really good with people. I, I can figure out what they need and make them feel better, make them, you know, deescalate angry customers, uh, you know, solve all kinds of problems just because the tiniest muscle movement in your face gives me a fuck ton of information this is one of the ways that we relate very well because we both are this way and you've you've even said you know it's almost sometimes that we are have a a sort of psychic bond i Mm -hmm. always say to you i can feel you from afar and i can i can i i and i'll i'll text you out of the blue sometimes like i could because i can feel something going on over there it's a gift really 
I think I have made it serve me well in my, uh, in my life, in my relationships, in my professions. I think that I have utilized it to its like capacity. I need it really. I am drawn to you because of that darkness. Your story is one of agony and sorrow and danger. So is mine. Mm -hmm. the bad news the bad news is that some people like me have to turn to drugs and alcohol to deal with the darkness and I'm on the other side of that where I've been sober for 30 years but sometimes I'm drawn to the people who haven't done that healing yet I see it in other people but what I wanted to say is that we have light like I know that I'm a bright shining light I know that I am but I have serious darkness but I mean you had I was a heroin addict for a long time was homeless and you know a pretty hardcore junkie that that was difficult for my family to deal with and that's darkness Mm -hmm. that is some darkness and you had told me that you were kind of drawn to that but only because I'm clean and sober now right that I'm safe but I have experienced that darkness so you have rubbed up against it you know what it feels like it it is in the fiber of your being it's part of your experience it it colors your life it gives you great stories uh, helps you build character and now you're a clean and sober woman who is introspective and you work the 12 steps and you take a regular inventory and you make amends when you're wrong and you take responsibility for your behavior and your character defects that peace is missing in a lot of us who have darkness that Mm -hmm. some of us get stuck in either in the darkness or in the you know, maladaptive coping skills for that. And getting clean and sober is not the only way to healing and introspection, but it's what I need. And I want that in the people who are closest to me so that we speak the same language. It's it's more than that. It's not just enough that I am clean and sober, that I don't drink or do drugs anymore. Uh, it's not enough that I just do that. I have to actually work on myself. So, um, and and I, I know that people that knew me when I was drinking and doing drugs and they see me now, it's like a, a physical change in like, I glow. Mm-hmm. I glow because I'm, I'm genuinely happy, but it's because I, I mean, I just started crying a second ago, <laughs> you know, in this, but I, I talk through these things and I experience actual joy, but it's because I'm emotionally sober too. I'm constantly working on myself, talking about things, you know, trying to figure out that these emotions that I have are normal, whereas I just drank or did drugs to cover all of them, to not feel them because they were just too much. And now I, I sit in them. I welcome them. I want. And it is a lot. Mm-hmm. Feelings, feelings are overwhelming. 
<laughs> and yep. there's so many of them. And, and, you know, people talk about positive and negative feelings, which I think is a, a real disservice to ourselves. You know, all of my feelings, they all get to exist here in this body. I get to be happy. I get to be sad. I get to be disappointed and angry and jealous. I get to be joyful and, and silly and, you know, everything. I get to have all of it. And even if they make me uncomfortable, even if I'm afraid of them, I'm still practicing the art of feeling all of my feelings, talking about all of my feelings, naming all of my feelings. Oh, what is this that I'm experiencing right now? What is, what's going on? You and I have talked before about identifying what's happening in my body, mm -hmm. the somatic response. Mm -hmm. How, how am I feeling? How does my skin feel? What is the temperature? Is there a knot in my stomach? And that helps me identify what the feeling is associated yeah. with that. Anger, anxiety, sadness, joy, what, whatever it may be. Sometimes I confuse excitement and anxiety. They have very similar somatic feeling in my body. But I have no filter with you. I tell you all the feelings when I, as I have them. Um, that's uh, quite liberating for me, actually, because... Yeah, you you've actually let me know that it's okay to to have all of these feelings and something that's very comforting to me too is knowing that it it is a feeling feelings aren't facts it also will change it will pass and i don't have to stay there i feel honored that you allow me to see all of you and it makes me feel safe to share all of me with you. I feel like I can tell you anything. And I can. And it does matter how I say it. It does. Uh, and I'm thinking about uh, when we were in Mexico. And uh, you said that I was being shitty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we had a moment I was actually telling someone this story today or yesterday <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna retell it yeah um, go ahead. we were in Mexico together uh because your nephew got married and a whole lot of people 100 people came in and it was there was a lot of energy there was a lot of stress there you were officiating the wedding um, it was your one year sobriety anniversary. There were tons of alcohol mm -hmm. flowing. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, there were lots of things that made it stressful. I had a bazillion photos on my phone and the night before I left Mexico, you received a really cool photo. Somebody sent you on your phone, a really cool photo of your nephew and you it was so good professional photo very good photo and you showed it to me and I agreed it was a very good photo and you said do you want me to send it to you and I said no I already have a bunch of photos and you took that personally and <laughs> I you did like, what do you mean you don't want one more photo and then for some reason I dug in 
And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> and you said that you thought I was being shitty. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you and I were <laughs> escalating, right? We were, things were getting ratcheting up. And I said, I'm going to go be shitty somewhere else. <laughs> I walked out. And I said, good, <laughs> go do it. <laughs> and, and so I went back to the casita and I was packing my shit because I'm leaving in the morning. And uh, you came back too soon. <laughs> yep, too soon. And, it, I didn't wait long enough, really. I didn't wait And there long was enough. just a moment, I can't remember what our interaction was, but you left again. And then, um, and then some time passed, you know, and, and I was cooling down and I think you had cooled down and you came in and you said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to lie down over here. Yeah. I'm just going to be here. You just do what parallel you're doing. Play. Yeah. Parallel, <laughs> parallel play. And um, it was just soft enough. And I was, you know, I had blown off a little steam and I came over and sat next to you and then we talked. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, the reason I'm telling this story is because respect is so important. And and I think that we were both exhausted from this mm-hmm. trip and and a little reactive. Mm-hmm. And yes, I could have said, mm-hmm. sure, send me the photo. And yes, you could have been like, oh, you don't want it, okay. You know, mm-hmm. it could have it could have yeah. gone differently. Um, but I'll tell you now, and I don't think I've told you before that when you swore at me, so you didn't call me a fucking bitch, but you know, when you said that I was being shitty, it, it crossed the line. You told me, you did tell me, and and I, I told you that I would, I would never do that again. There are two things that I will never do to you again, swear at you that way or hang up on you. Right, both, both of which you've done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, and, I, and those are deal breakers for me. I don't want you to hang up on me because it, it cuts my vocal cords. Mm-hmm. It doesn't allow me. To, it takes all my power away and it doesn't allow me to talk to you. It's different to say, I need space. Mm-hmm. And then it's like consent. Right. It's mutually yeah. agreed upon. But being hung up on is there's something about that that's absolutely it's not acceptable to me. Yeah. And, and I get it. Yeah. And and swearing at me or right. about me or what you know, however you want to justify that. Right. Um it is it, it's crossing a line into disrespect. Right. And that's like yelling at me would also be a no it's not okay and so you can be mad mm-hmm. the feeling doesn't bother me you can be mad mm-hmm. you can be disappointed you can be you know exasperated you can be disgusted mm-hmm. but how you behave towards me matters yes yeah and that's Back to what we were talking about earlier, saying no and having good boundaries. I know what's okay with me and what's not okay with me. Right. And I'm going to tell you. And you get to decide if that works for you or not. 
Yeah. And, you know, when you tell me, I know that if I hang up on you, that that's a deal breaker. In the past, I have been, and this, of course, you know, my alcoholism certainly played into this, but I would, um, I'd like, she doesn't really mean it. She loves me and she doesn't really mean it. I'm going to push her. I'm going to push her. And let's just see. And I did that with one girlfriend and she broke up with me. And then I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? And, yeah. uh, but I deserved it. And she was right to stand her ground. She was right. But I, um, you know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of clarity that has come in this last year of sobriety for me because I've been on a mission. I have been on a mission to, to understand behaviorally, psychologically, emotionally, physiologically, spiritually, what is going on? Why do, why have I been doing these things? And what am I trying, what have I been covering up? So it's coming out. It's all coming out. And I'm glad, but it's, it's difficult because it's like opening up, you know, a can of worms that a Pandora's box that has to be controlled and tamed because there's some shit in there. There's some darkness that's been pushed down and contained for tw- the 27 years that I've been drinking and doing drugs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's no containing it. That's right. That's right. I always say that there's nothing that we can't communicate through to the other side. There's there's wow. nothing. And as long as we maintain respect the way that we do. I mean, you do have an uncanny ability to piss me off. <laughs> but I love you. I love you. And I, I, I want this. You're worth, worth it to me to be a better person. I think a lot of girlfriends that I've had in the past they 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 let me be an asshole and I I'm sorry that I was but I I I ran with it Mm -hmm. I love who you are I love all of your feelings and I'm not afraid of you Hmm. I think that you make me a better person I think that's the goal for doing that yeah, we're doing that. Hi, I'm Tita Moyers, and this is my co-host and my pirate wife, Dawn Davis. We are bold, queer, ethically non-monogamous, kinky, clean and sober storytellers, having unscripted talks about topics not brought up in polite conversation. Nothing is taboo. In this episode, we borrow, with consent, Questions from Jeff Gunter, also known as Therapy Jeff. He recommends asking someone about these topics to see if you're a good match before you get into a relationship with them. 